one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport ahead of another pivotal weekend in the Premier League. Discussing the big stories of the week with me, Sam Matterface. We've got TalkSport's Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook and Scott Minto, the FA Cup winner and former Benfica, Chelsea, West Ham and Charlton left back. This week, Arsenal says uh, they've got more belief now that they, they were beaten by Manchester City. I can see that they can do it, says Arteta. Yeah, OK, but will they even beat Aston Villa? Are they clinical enough? At the bottom, managerless leads take on Everton in a six-pointer. How can you sack a manager and not have any idea who would be willing to come in and take over? Well, that's probably going the same way for Southampton too. Also this week, Newcastle come up against the only side to beat them in the Premier League this season. And Manchester United might just be sold. All that and the rest of the games previewed on the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. Watch your boys. Hello. How are you? All right. Okay. It's Friday morning for us. Okay. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, have some context here. It is Friday morning. Alex Crook is still drunk on the success of last night when he and his entire family dressed up in full Manchester United kits from different eras, red shirts, white shorts and socks and sent pictures to everybody at around about 68 minutes, just after <laughs> Marcus Rashford had put them in front. He went quiet for about 20 minutes after that, but he seemed to have a very, very good time. I couldn't work out, actually, whether he was celebrating how well Manchester United had applied themselves in the camp now, or, obviously we were jumping on board the bandwagon, um, or uh, that you were celebrating the fact that uh, today could be the last day or the pivotal day um, as we look for owners for Manchester United that aren't the Glazers. Probably a combination of the two, to be honest. But I did get a bit swept up in nostalgia on Thursday night. Manchester United-Barcelona, massive game from a bygone era. I expected to lose, I have to be honest. I said to the kids before the game, this is a tough night tonight. I think we might get beat here. I think it might just be a bridge too far. But they were excellent. And, you know, it was encouraging to hear Marcus Rashford after the game saying that it felt like a defeat because United did enough to win. Listen, the tie's still on a knife edge. If the second leg next week at Old Trafford is anything like the first, then anyone who's got a ticket is in for a treat. But it was just a it was a great game, and I think it showed again how far United have come under Eric Ten Hag. No Martinez, no Ericsson, not even a Sabitzer in midfield. And they went toe-to-toe uh, with the top team in Spain. Brilliant. I thought Fred was excellent in that game. Um, and I thought the way they pressed from the front was absolutely superb. But I thought he also underscored the difference between the Premier League and La Liga. What scared me most, Scott, is that some of uh, Alex's kids were wearing some of his shirts from a bygone <laughs> era. And um, I was actually sitting there thinking, how on earth did he ever squeeze into that? <laughs> My, my question is, were they all in roll necks rather than Manchester United <laughs> shirts? 
or, or maybe that kind of um, that kind of uh, cross-checked uh, jacket. They've all, they've all got the same as uh, all the crooks there. Oh, but, what, that um, tartan jacket that he was that wearing the other day. Jacket. That's the one. That's yeah. the one. It's our yeah. favourite. Well, I'm clearly yeah. not in w within your group because I didn't receive that photo, Sam. So I'll be waiting. I'll be looking forward to it and seeing the, the crooks family. Didn't get that photo? I, I, I thought he not. sent it to everybody that he knew in his contacts list. He usually does. Clearly, there's a, there's there's contact list and there's the in crowd, and I'm not yeah. still in the in crowd. You're not there the yet. No, we're not bringing yet. you into the fold, Scott. We're bringing you into into the fold, uh, Scott. It was a, a heart stopping week, a thrilling midweek of football involving Barca, United, Arsenal, Man City. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe it was a thrilling midweek of football, unless Scott, you watched Dortmund versus Chelsea. <laughs> I also watched Forest Green versus Chelsea. Sam, uh, I can tell you that that wasn't the classic, but at least uh, the addicts got all three points. Look, yeah, no, I did the game for talking um, in Dortmund. And um, I mean, it's just Chelsea at the moment, isn't it? It's starting to really sort of play well and put in good performances, but still not able to score a goal. I think the tie is definitely there for the taking. But, you know, I was saying at nil-nil, I was working with Dance. And, you know, this is a game that Chelsea should be thinking they can go and win. Not the tie, the game itself. And yet they, they lose, find a way to lose. So I think you even probably would have got past Enzo Fernandez. Although fair play to Adeyemi for for the run and the finish that he did, but he can't be left on his own there. So it's poor organisational play. I know as a left back that you were Sam, you you would have made sure that someone would have been sat in front of you. But yeah, just disappointing really from a Chelsea point of view. And and tell you what, I think everyone is behind Graham Potter um, with the hierarchy. But I bet you the hierarchy are just thinking, please go through, please go through, and it will take a bit of the the pressure off. You mentioned the word left back and we will talk about the part-time role of uh, left back a little bit later on when we get into Manchester City. But first of all, Arsenal, Aston Villa or Aston Villa, Arsenal is Saturday lunchtime, 12.30. Talk sport. Uh, we're on air at 11 o'clock. And after beating Manchester United on the 22nd of January, Arsenal were five points clear at the top of the Premier League table with a game in hand. But they've taken just one point from nine since. Martin Erdegaard has uh, said that his side need to be a little bit more clinical. Was that a dig at Eddie Nketiah, Crook? Uh, maybe, because he missed some big chances, didn't he, in that game uh, in midweek. And as well as he's done, Eddie Nketiah, the return of Gabriel Jesus for Arsenal, probably can't come quickly enough. I spotted Mikel Arteta yesterday, actually, at the local scrap metal merchants. He was looking for the wheels that have fallen off Arsenal's season oh, in recent weeks. Oh, <laughs> dear, oh, dear. Sorry, you know, the worst thing about it. that is, Scott, somebody else sent him that joke in a group <laughs> that I'm in. So I know that he's nicked that from someone. This is a huge game for Arsenal. I remember commentating this game towards the end of last season and uh, they won 1-0 um, Arsenal at Aston Villa. I remember Aaron Ramsdale was injured and uh, Bert Leno was in goal. And you saw Arteta and the players embracing um, the Arsenal fans at the end of the game. They felt like that was a significant step towards the top four. Ultimately, they fell short. But what it was at the time was a, a test of character. And I think this is as well, because it is a wobble now. You know, you can include the FA Cup defeat. You can include the fact they were fortunate despite VAR intervention giving Brentford their equaliser they didn't really deserve more than a point out of that game they aren't playing well I mentioned Bukayo Saka brilliantly taken penalty but you know he to me looks to be suffering maybe a bit of mental fatigue Martinelli his form has nosedived as well and then you've got Nketiah so there's a lot of problems for Arsenal and Unai Emery would love to get one over his former club yeah, and what did I tell you earlier in the week about the fact that they'd only made 14 changes to their starting lineup over the course of the season prior to going into that game against Manchester City? They did actually make a change 
during that match. Ben White was taken out and Tomiyasu put in. That worked. Um, Arsenal have now lost 11 consecutive Premier League games against Manchester City, Scott. And we talked a little bit about mentality. Have they got a mental block when it comes to Pep's team? 11 consecutive games is quite significant. No, no, it is, Sam. But, you know, watching the game, and I, because I was working on the Dortmund-Chelsea game, I, I watched it the following day in full. And no, I don't think so. I think in the first half, they were probably the better side. Mm. We can talk about the left-back thing now, Sam, because we joked about it on on Monday. And I, I tell you what, it's an important role, isn't it? Bernardo Silva, not anyone can play it. Bernardo Silva is an incredible player. He ain't no left-back. And I think that was, a you know, the moment that, Akanji came on centre back. Uh, Ake went left back, and then Silva went more into midfield. City took a little bit more control of the game. And, but in terms of Arsenal, though, you've talked about a couple of chances that Enketia should have scored. I think they went toe to toe. And I, I, I'm everyone's now talking about, oh well, there you go, that's it. City now, Arsenal have lost it. The wheels have come off. No, you've got to bounce back. I totally agree with Crookie. This is a massive game for Arsenal. This is more than three points against a poor Aston Villa side at the moment who are in a bit of, bit of a losing run and conceding goals. They have to bounce back and win this. If they don't win this game, then I do think the wheels have definitely come off. And I'll go down the scrap metal yard and try and look for Mikel as well and, and, and have a word with him. But I'm telling you now, they went head toe-to-toe with City and they just came off worse because of moments. City took their chances, Arsenal didn't. Now, as we said before, champions need to bounce back. Yeah, and the, the, that is the key thing, isn't it? It's about looking forward now and trying to get through this Aston Villa game. I mean, I know that Arteta is going to be still scarred because he was underscoring, like I was earlier in the week, just how pivotal those two points last Saturday that were taken off his team in the game against Brentford because, actually, champions win games when they're not playing particularly well and they might be fortunate to do so, which is what was going to happen against Brentford before VAR failed to intervene. They also then go into this next game against Manchester City in a slightly different headspace if they are leading by a more significant margin and City can't go above them if they win. It's a completely different game. They're now level on points for Manchester City after that midweek draw, but City are top of the table on goal difference. Villa this weekend, and I've mentioned this before, I don't fancy Villa that much. They've taken 16 points from nine Premier League games under Unai Emery who looked average at best against Manchester City, I thought, Aston Villa. Is that points total deceiving? Because I went through the underlying stats, possession shots, goals, other bits and pieces like, you know, tackles, et cetera, et cetera. They're running more, but everything else is like very minuscule improvement. And they've just sort of come up against teams where they could pick up points and things have just fallen for them at the right time. Are they any better under Unai Emery than they were under Steven Gerrard? Or are they significantly better? It's probably a better question, Chris. I don't think they're significantly better. I think what they are is probably better coached. And that's the difference in the small margins that you're talking about. Whereas, uh, you know, before in those games where there wasn't much between the two teams, they would go against Steven Gerrard. They tended to go in favour of Unai Emery. But I think it looks a disjointed squad to me. It's a squad that's in need of, of, of major surgery in the summer. I was slightly surprised they didn't do a lot more in January, particularly after Danny Ings was sold to West Ham. It looked to me that was creating an opportunity for Unai Emery maybe to bring in a forward player of his own. That didn't happen. So, yeah, if you're talking if you're talking team to team, Arsenal should win this game. But we know Villa Park, Saturday lunchtime, after a defeat against your title rivals, you've slipped off the top of the table for the first time in, what, three or four months. This is pressure. And we're going to see how this young Arsenal team deal with the pressure. 
Villa have kept one clean sheet in six games. Arsenal fancy their chances of adding more goals to their tally. Uh, Forest take on Manchester City this weekend. And Manchester City, um, we said last week, Pep was utilising the charges against his club as a way to build, build a siege mentality. But they were impressive versus midweek against Arsenal, I thought. Crook, just tell me how bad Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne are again, please. Eh? <laughs> I think it's Scott's turn to answer, not mine. I answered the last question, so I'll, I'll deflect that to our former left-back. No, sorry, mate. What was that? I, I, I must have missed that one. What did you say? Oh, he I said that, that Kevin City, De Bruyne wasn't City quite were... playing as well as he has done in uh, previous seasons. I think I think Manchester City fans would agree with that. And I also sent a message at half-time on Thursday or Wednesday, whenever the game was, saying that if Erling Haaland isn't scoring, he doesn't offer much. And then, of course, he scored a goal. Yeah. And almost won a penalty. I thought apart a... from that, yeah, I, I thought it was a great battle and I thought you could see him angry. Um, and, you know, the Arsenal centre-halves were bullied against even Ivan Tony. I think they were a little bit with Haaland as well, so they need to be careful on, on, on that sort of front. But, no, nah, look, I mean, look, you're not you're not wrong. You know, I think the stats will say that Kevin De Bruyne is perhaps not having his best ever season. We're seeing him more yeah, on the best... 18 assists this season, I think it is. Well, well, there you go then. He's still pretty good. And, and a lot of the games seem to be centering on with him on the bench. How he does that, I'm not quite sure. No, no, that's the best kind of combination in the Premier League, isn't it? De Bruyne into Haaland. And if Haaland's given his given the right service, then um, then he will score. That was a big game for City. That was a real psychological blow to, to Arsenal and to everybody else. So to find a way to win, that's quite simply what champions do. But they've got to go to Nottingham Forest now. Nottingham Forest have a good record against big teams, although they are going to be without Willie Bolly, who's been ruled out for three months, Scott McKenna out for two months. At least that bad that the club have written to the Premier League asking for Steve Cook to be reinstated to the 25-man squad. Because they've have only they got told Felipe Steve Cook Joe or is he going to find out on Twitter like he did when he was dumped from the squad? Uh, I think I, th- I think Twitter is their preferred mode of communication. <laughs> and actually, no, I think it might be TikTok now. <laughs> they've done a TikTok video. Welcome back to the 25-man co- squad, Steve Cook. Can you smell what the forest is cooking? Um, so... What, what can they do here? I mean, I suppose the key thing is that uh, they stand up to Manchester City. They try and make sure that they're, they're difficult to beat and then hit on the counter-attack. Is that, is that something that could yield them success, Scott? Well, absolutely, Sam. Um, and, the, you know, they've got Worrell and Felipe who are decent centre-halves. They've got, in terms of numbers of centre-halves, they've, they've got people in there. Um, and now it's their chance to develop a relationship over the next couple of months. Look, their, their, their forms or their results have been great in 2023. So, you know, they've dug themselves out and got themselves out of trouble to a point. And you were at the game against Liverpool, Sam. They've got to do exactly the same. They've got to make sure they're very compact without the ball. They've got to be biting at City all the time when they can win a tackle. But, and then they've got to be countering and, and be clinical when they can. So, look, I do think this is a different City side than the Liverpool one early in the season. And I see a City win because I, I think now they're just sort of starting in the second half of the season to get going now. But, you know, I wouldn't rule Forrest out of somehow nicking a, a point here, but they need everything to go their way and City to be a little bit off because I do fancy City. Um, about six or seven weeks ago, there was quite a sort of uh, a campaign on social media to get Riyad Mahrez and Jack Grealish out of the team. They were dropped for a game against Chelsea. They played very badly in the first 45 minutes. They bought on Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez and the game changed. And Jack Grealish set up the goal for Riyad Mahrez, I think it was, that ended up winning 
the match. Since then, they've been on this trajectory that's basically like they have gone meteorically through the stratosphere. Jack Grealish, in particular, has become a key player for Manchester City. Are we starting to see now the Manchester City version of Jack Grealish that Pep Guardiola wanted to mould? Yeah, I think we maybe are. And uh, actually, there were a lot of people last season saying quite often when you join a Guardiola team, it can take until the second season for you to really get up to speed and to show your quality. Listen, we, own, we all know what a good player Jack Grealish is. I think he struggled to express that last season, but he, he was excellent against Arsenal um, in midweek. Really gave their fullback a, a torrid time. I mean, it was a strange call anyway for me to start Tommy Asso ahead of Ben White. Didn't necessarily get my head around that from an Arsenal perspective, but Grealish took full advantage of that. The other player I, I, I feel like deserves special mention is Rodri. You know, at a time when that Manchester City midfield is 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 changing a bit, I think he was sensational against Arsenal. I think he is an all-round footballer. You know, he can do the defensive duty. He can get involved in the attacks. He can carry the ball. You know, transitionally, I think he's a very good footballer. I think he's been one of their better players this season. Yeah, I, I do have one concern about Rodri, and I don't know if, Scott, you share this, is this sort of penchant to tuck his shirt into his shorts and wear them high up on the waist. It, I, I just don't think he sort of looked around the dressing room and realised that convention is, is we have it out. You know, there's a reason for having it out because you don't look like a 1980s schoolboy. <laughs> or Simon Cowell, by the sounds of it. You know, what do you want? His socks down like Jack Grealish as no, well? No, no, I just don't. The, the shirt into shorts is just not an acceptable mode of fashion, I'm afraid. It's just, a, did you ever tuck your shirt into your shorts? I think I, you probably we, did when you were at Charlton back in the early 90s, when it was sort of, we were going through the transition, weren't we, <laughs> during that sort of period. Well, then no, sort of from mid-90s onwards, when everything started getting really baggy, everything was hanging out. And it's yeah. been hanging out ever since. Do not tuck well, that shirt in. Yeah, maybe not everything hanging out, but... Um, but... <laughs> No, I, I, one thing I did do is try and go for the longest shorts possible. I wasn't the sort of one of those wearing, looking for tight shorts. But look, he's a, he's a well brought up guy. He wants to look good on the pitch. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about it. Uh, right, six more games from a busy Saturday in the Premier League, including a huge, massive relegation six-pointer live on TalkSport 2 at Goodison Park. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go.
Labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Fuck. It's very difficult to fix everything overnight, you know, so we're happy with the way they've been working as a group, happy with the way they've been working on the training pitch. It's a start point, uh, but it's a challenge that we're more than willing to take on. Nonto strikes on the edge of the area and scores brilliantly. The Leeds United fans go mad. Every game in the Premier League is a huge game and it's a big opportunity and the players are excited to, to try and go to Goodison and go and get the three points. Now, I think this is the biggest game of the weekend, gentlemen. Everton against the Leeds, 3 o'clock Saturday. Everton, new manager bounce, brought back down to earth in the Merseyside Derby on Monday night. When they were, let's be completely honest about it, insipid, I thought. I thought they were poor on Monday night. No wonder Michael Skibala said yesterday his players were excited to go to Goodison Park because they aren't anywhere near as bad as Everton, Scott. No, I, I agree. I, I think if it, you know, you take Goodison... Um, park out the equation and the fans and I think player for player and, and performance wise Leeds are better and can go there and win it's just you don't know what Everton side are going to turn up is it the one against Liverpool where I totally agree with you I thought they were really poor and I don't think Liverpool were that great I just thought they were you know much better than Everton which wasn't you know uh, didn't need to be absolutely fantastic in terms of this no absolutely I think Leeds can go Scabala's done well the, the players seem to be quite happy even though it's a shambles what's happening with the the, the manager and are they going to get someone in? Well, Skabala seems to have got everybody on board. So I think if they play the way they play, unless Everton can lift themselves in the way they did against Arsenal, which I think was not a one-off, but almost an exception, I fancy Leeds here. Uh, let's talk about the Leeds manager situation, Crook. They seem to have pinned their hopes on uh, Michael Skabala for the next uh, two games, and arguably the two biggest games of the season because Everton away and then Southampton at home. How on earth have they got themselves into this situation? And surely Victor Orta is the sporting director, has to shoulder the blame, doesn't he? Well, I think there's there's so many sides to this and, and that really in lies the problem. There's so many people who want to have a say in the way that Leeds is run. You mentioned Victor Orta. I think he had um, the guy from Ajax lined up and, and ready to come with Shrouder having watched the game He's also weekend. been in Madrid to try and get the Raul Velocano manager before that. Yeah, yeah, but I think Schroeder was uh, was Orta's choice. That was blocked, as I understand it, by Radrazani, who's been very vocal uh, on social media. I remember standing outside Old Trafford the, the day that Leeds played up there, and Radrazani had promised the night before there'll be white smoke tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, that, was, that was nearly two weeks ago. But what was that? Been. The uh, was that white smoke the uh, Premier League hopes of Leeds United going up in flames? <laughs> quite, quite possibly. And then you've got the 49ers who are due to complete, uh, I think, a full takeover of the club come the end of the season. They want to have their say as well. So it's a real mess at uh, boardroom level. And actually, I know producer Jeremy, massive Leeds fans, been telling us for weeks and months that Jesse Marsh isn't a very good manager. I'll have a counter opinion. So Jesse Marsh actually did a good job to get such a cohesive uh, display out of Leeds week in, week out. But for missed chances, they'd have been much higher in the table with all that going on behind the scenes. The fact they haven't replaced him is embarrassing 
um, quite frankly, because surely they should have been doing their diligence. They should have had somebody lined up and ready to come in straight away. This is the Premier League. You can't afford to write off fixtures. I think if Scubala picks up positive results in these two games, I think he'll be in situ until the end of the season. That clearly wasn't the plan when Jesse Marsh was relieved of his duties. I think if anybody's going to save Everton, Bournemouth or Southampton, it's Leeds and that boardroom chaos. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you have uh, pointed out that Jesse Marsh wasn't a good, uh, wasn't. Um... It's interesting, isn't it? Because you've pointed out that some Leeds fan thought that Jesse Marsh wasn't a great fit. You've offered the counter argument. But here's another counter from Patrick Bamford, who was dancing around his kitchen when he found out that Marsh had been sacked, allegedly. Uh, here's what he said about Skubala. To be honest, we're not really thinking about in terms of if a new manager comes along because I think Scoobs have shown to the lads that the tactics he gave us for the last two games and the way we've played have almost, not that the lads weren't confident in him before, but they've almost like made the lads really feel at ease with him and that there's a lot of positivity behind what he's doing. Um, so for me, it's just concentrating on how I can help the team at the minute with Scoobs in charge. And I think that the, the way we play with him will actually will help me as well. So, yeah, if it's not looking too far into the future because we've got a lot to kind of deal with now. Scoobs. Um, I think that's probably the biggest revelation from uh, that little clip from Patrick Bamford uh, is that he calls the manager Scoobs. <laughs> it's the biggest red flag as well, isn't it? <laughs> Um, uh, but Patrick Bamford now sort of talking as if he's going to uh, uh, rip up and uh, score lots of goals. Let's hope that that's the case uh, for Leeds United. It was a little subtle dig, I think. But then again, he, he's not afraid to have a subtle dig at uh, Jesse Marsh, is he, um, Patrick Bamford? He clearly wasn't um, too happy or enamoured by him. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, he is quite a sort of he's a very polite young man, is Patrick. He's got a lot to say for himself as someone who scored one Premier League goal all season. Well, he has been injured for most of that. Yeah, do you talking on the pitch, mate? Are you Jesse Marsh's PR man now? I was just about to say, there's Jesse Marsh's agent talking there. I mean, look, I I'll counter Crookie's counter. Um, I think there's a lot of Leeds fans who have not really been ha having Jesse Marsh. And I I've defended him. I think if they hadn't have got that amazing result at Anfield, perhaps he could have gone early and perhaps all this wouldn't have been an issue. You know, they would have had more time to get the people they wanted because those people wouldn't have been doing so well at their clubs and, and wouldn't want to be leaving right now. But look, I mean, Scoobs definitely isn't getting the job full time. You can't be able to call your manager Scoobs, can you? And, and, and have that respect. But it's about, we talked last week and, you know, it doesn't have to be an old school manager, but it's, you, you have to think about what's the most important thing right now. Forget, I'm all in the process. I'm all into that. But it's about stages. Stay in the Premier League. What is the best? Who is the best person to keep you up? And then worry about the process after that. And if Scoobs is the man, well then, you know, so be it. And then he can be the number two again and someone else can come in. Uh, yeah, okay. All right, well, we'll find out what happens a little bit uh, later on at the weekend. Dooby dooby doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby dooby doo, where are you? Uh, yes, they do. Talk Sport 2 on uh, Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Uh, Scooby-Doo's latest adventure as Leeds take on Everton at Goodison Park. Stan, that's tickled me. That's brilliant. I have to say, that's, I used to watch Scooby-Doo as a kid in the 80s, uh, the 70s and 80s. Brilliant. Absolutely loved that. <laughs> black and white, um, then. <laughs> yeah, pretty Scooby -Doo much. Scooby-Doo was never in black and white. God, crook. <laughs>
Everton have had a bit of a problem up front, haven't they? They've scored just 10 in their last uh, 11 home league games. Ellis Sims didn't look particularly comfortable when he played on Monday night, but he was starting for the first time in a Merseyside derby, so it was a bit difficult for him. Although he did, uh, you know, he's obviously done well in the championship for Sunderland, did okay at Blackpool, did all right at heart. Um, not necessarily sure he is the answer, but they need someone to lead the line, that is for sure. Uh, let's turn our attention to Chelsea against Southampton, another club that are struggling to find a manager. In fact, it is a fiasco, isn't it, Crook, after what happened with Jesse Marsh? Because he could have been in the Leeds dugout, then could have been in the Southampton dugout, and instead he's probably just digging out other people. Yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing uh, for Southampton and their owners, the Sport Republic, because it, it looked like this was, was going to happen. It looked like they'd moved decisively, uh, unlike Leeds, uh, to replace Nathan Jones. But, I mean, this season has been a disaster for Southampton. This is just the latest chapter, really. I, I think you highlighted it in the summer when they were signing all these young up-and-coming players, that maybe that was a risky policy uh, in the Premier League when really you need experience to be any kind of success. Then they remove Ralph Hasenhoof, to which most Southampton fans were behind at the time, but not many of them were behind the appointment of Nathan Jones. That proved to be an absolute disaster. Still can't get my head around what they were what they were thinking, what they were seeing there. Seven defeats in eight Premier League games tells its own story. And the fact that Jesse Marsh had verbally accepted to replace Jones, had travelled down, stayed in a hotel near to the St Mary's Stadium, and then changed his mind, having met Sport Republic, Rasmus Ankerson, their sporting director, um, and the rest of the owners, I think, is yeah, is another sorry tale. Oh, 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 hold on, you say really... Jesse Marsh changed his mind? Didn't? Did, wasn't there some sort of shenanigans over the contract? Well, yeah, it's a little bit clouded. This because the information that I got on Tuesday was that Jesse Marsh was so hungry to get back in, so keen to take the job that he would accept a short-term contract. That would be initially until the end of the season with the option. Uh, of a longer-term deal, should he stay up? I, I think over the course of the next 24, 48 hours, actually wanted a little bit more of a guarantee. Not a four-year deal, I don't think, but maybe at least that he would get 18 months. Southampton owners weren't willing to budge. It was a contract until the end of the season, then see what happens. And I think you can understand why he was a bit reluctant to take that. They've got 16 games left. What they've done with this failed Nathan Jones experiment is they've actually given Nathan Jones a lot of their winnable fixtures. You look at the games they've got coming up, you can't see where the points are coming from. And I think maybe Jesse Marsh looked at that and thought, I'm going to have a relegation on my CV here 10 days after leaving Leeds. This probably isn't the right thing for me to do. So it was a combination, but ultimately Sport Republic couldn't get the deal done. Yeah, well, that's a, a, a failure on their part, I think. But is this one of Southampton's winning ball games, Scott? No. Come on, Sam. My, I'll tell you what, it, it, Chelsea need to start winning. Yeah, but they've won just two of their last 13 in all competitions. Well, they need to start winning. And, you know, this is almost... I'll be careful, careful how I choose my words, but this should be the perfect game for Chelsea. You know, look, I, I was at... you know, I've got a horrible thought, feeling about coming back here on Monday and having this discussion, playing that clip out. <laughs> well, I, I feel confident enough that even if Chelsea can't win the game, they're not going to lose it to Southampton. If they do, then the noise will get louder. Look. I think Chelsea are not playing bad. Again, you know, you talk about the Dortmund game, the performance. It was better, actually, wasn't it? They created a lot of chances. I mean, who they would have believed it. that all they needed was someone to put the ball in the net? Absolutely. And, you know, they had the chances and, and Felix hit the bar and they look dangerous. They're looking as if they're more cohesive. They just need to stick the ball in the back of the net, which is quite an important thing in football. You know, and that's been the problem. But I think this is perfect for them. I really do. I, and I can see them winning by two or three goals.
Okay, um, let's head off to another game right up north in the northeast corner of the country. There's only one team all season that have beaten Newcastle United, and they face them again this weekend. Yeah. Newcastle Liverpool 5:30 Saturday night. Liverpool looked a little bit more like their old self on Monday. Uh, all well and good at home under the lights for a derby, but how important is it that they back it up away at Newcastle United, Crook? I think it's important. I'm not sure it'll happen uh, because I agree with Scott. I think Monday night was a, as much about how poor Everton were as whether Liverpool were anywhere near back to their best. Newcastle be become the draw specialist and they're in the Premier League. Ten stalemates this season. Uh, only once since the start of November have they scored more than one goal in a single Premier League game. Callum Wilson might be back. It was described to me as a minor hamstring injury, but you wonder if they'll risk him a week before a cup final. I can see a draw in this game. And I don't think it's going to be a, a high scoring affair like those glory days of the mid 1990s with Kevin Keegan in charge at Newcastle. I think it'd be quite attritional. I can see a one, one or, or, or there or thereabouts. You are harping back like 25 years there. Crook. When football was better, Scott Minto was marauding down the left. Manchester United were battering all before them. It was a, it was a glorious time. Pink Scott had long curly pink, pink hair pink with his shirt tucked out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to let Crookie talk about this one. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle, uh, five draws in the last six Premier League games. and wonder whether or not their top four charge just stuttering slightly. Um, let's talk a little bit about Liverpool in that midfield, though, because I thought Stefan Bajtic probably was their best player on Monday night. Could have been man of the match in the game. Um, Danny Murphy would not give him man of the match because he didn't assist the goal or score a goal. And in midfield, apparently, you have to do that if you're going to win. Uh, man of the match, Danny knows. Um, but um, I thought it was particularly impressive, Scott. Surprised to hear him say that because I, I heard him waxing lyrical about him, the performance. And, you know, I, in one sense, if you want to be negative, how, what does it tell you about Liverpool that your best player, you know, at the moment <laughs> is, is an 18 year old kid? And, and in a really big game where they really need to win against their, you know, local rivals, you, you put an 18 year old in and actually he's their best player in midfield. So, I don't think Liverpool are anywhere near the team just because they've they've beaten Everton where they need to be. And I actually think, yeah, I think with Newcastle's defence, I can see them keeping a clean sheet here. I agree with Crookie, it's not going to be a goal feast. But I actually think Liverpool, uh, Newcastle could nick this. I really do. I think, you know, it's going to be a wonderful atmosphere. It is a, a lovely game historically. So I think even more so, the atmosphere would be brilliant. But he he's a, he's a, he's a, a, a guy of the future. You know, he's a man already, isn't he? Despite being 18 and... Jurgen Klopp quite clearly has a lot of faith in him. You can see why. And Liverpool's defence still looks shaky, uh, considered nine goals in the last three away games. But Cody Gappo at least was putting in a better performance on uh, Monday night. Important for him to kick on now, Crook. Yeah, we're waiting to to really see the, the, the Cody Gappo that was so exciting at the World Cup, the Cody Gappo that uh, did so well in the Dutch league. Again, listen, I'm, I'm the first person to judge players early. I wrote off Darwin Nunez. Uh, after watching him in pre-season. He's yet to prove me wrong, by the way, although Scott Minto has got still got the Nunez. Leave it out. But leave I think, uh, I think Gakpo needs a bit of time. Let's judge him this time in a year when he's had a full pre-season working under his belt and when maybe he's part of a Liverpool team that, as a collective, are playing with a bit more confidence. Uh, we should have like a special uh, crookie corner where all <laughs> the players that Crook writes off over the course of the season well. <laughs> Erling Haaland sitting there with Nunez and Kevin De Bruyne. We'll have an all-star team before the Bamford. end of the, the season. Actually, Bamford. <laughs> It'd it obviously have Jesse Marsh as, the, in the, as manager as of the alternate side as well, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer be in charge of that side. Um, a couple of other games to look forward to. Brentford against Fulham. Two of the season's surprise packages. Level on points, sixth and seventh. Who is more likely to finish in the European spots? One word answer. Scott. Brighton. Crook. Brighton. Uh, Brighton have lost only twice since October. You may well be right. Wolves against Bournemouth. Big chance for Wolves to put daylight between themselves and the bottom three. Likewise for Bournemouth uh, to try and tighten things up at the bottom. But Bournemouth have failed to score in five of their last six away. How much peril is Gary O'Neill in, Alex? It's a good question. Um, the sense I get is that the board is still backing him because the performances have been pretty good, actually, over the course of the season. You know, since Gary came in after they'd lost nine at Liverpool, there haven't been too many games where Bournemouth have been, have been outclassed or really have stunk the place out. They played really well against Newcastle last weekend. Probably should have won the game, but this is the difference. When Gary was in interim charge, those, those type of games were going in their favour. They're not at this moment in time, and, and no manager can keep on losing, um, you know, especially when... Graham Potter can, apparently. <laughs> Seemingly. Um, you know, especially when Premier League survival is on the line. They spent big in, in January. Again, I actually am fairly confident Bournemouth won't lose this game. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I like the look of a lot of the new additions. I think they've settled in well. So I, I could see a draw, and that would probably be enough for Gary to continue for a bit longer. Thanks for your very short and sharp answer there. So, um, sorry, Sam. Can I just, can I, uh, are we saying that Gary O'Neill is in danger of losing his job? Well, I would have thought so after losing uh, as many games as he had. I'm sure that they're, they're, they're sort of on the lookout for it. In fact, someone, I can't remember who it was, sent me a text message this week saying, if they lose at the weekend, um, what's the betting that Jesse Marsh is in the dugout for the next game? For? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Listen, uh, you know. Who, who was that, by the way? I, can't, I, can't I, I said at the start of the season, I wonder who. I, I said at the start of the season, I've said this before, that I, I thought they'd finish bottom. You know, and, and that was under Scott Parker. I haven't really changed um, with, with Gary O'Neill. And if he keeps them up, or even if someone does come in and keep them up, they should be up for manager of the season. That's no disrespect. Actually, it's a, it's a little bit different now because I do think they have made some good signings in January. But Gary O'Neill, as, as Crookie's saying, has actually got the team playing fine. The mistakes that were made against Nottingham Forest, where that was a really big game, not his fault at all. You know, their performance against Newcastle were chasing top four. Really, really good. I can't believe we're talking about Gary O'Neill possibly losing his job. He's doing as good as he possibly can. Uh, Brentford against Crystal Palace. On my uh, script here from producer Jeremy, it just says the word yawn. <laughs> it's a bit inappropriate, really. Uh, Brentford have lost just one of their last 12 games in all competitions. They're certainly not yawning in the uh, G-Tech community stadium hospitality boxes and behind the goal where they're getting very much behind their team. who have done a fantastic job this season. And Thomas Frank should be considered for manager of the year, in my opinion, um, because there's some big uh, victories during that period and bigger results in that period as well. OK, big game on Sunday. Manchester United back in action at Old Trafford. Oh, oh, oh. Well, is there any danger that after a thrilling game like Manchester United went through on Thursday night, where it was just so emotional and it was absolutely taxing, fatigue-inducing, even just watching it, I was exhausted at the end. Um, is that going to have an effect on the Manchester United players, bearing in mind Eric Ten Hag doesn't really do uh, much rotation? Um, because Leicester actually have started to pick up a little bit, Crook. Are you nervous about this? Will you be sitting in your, your full kit watching this game? 
Uh, probably not because I'm commentating it for Talksport International, and that would be highly unprofessional. Um, but Wouldn't I be the first bit... time though that you've been unprofessional, would it? Let's be completely <laughs> honest. Let's not open that can of worms, Sam. You've known him for 20 years. But I am a little bit nervous um, because of the timing of the fixture. Obviously, this Barcelona tie, as I mentioned, is is still up for grabs. Second leg Thursday night. Then there's the the cup final at Wembley in a week's time. This is this is not the type of fixture that United could do with. They could do with you know, Southampton at home as opposed to Leicester at home, to be honest, because Leicester have improved recently. James Madison back in the team, brilliant against Tottenham last week. They look like they've got goals. I think Tete has been a really good addition having arrived in January. So I am a little bit nervous about this game. And I think he's going to have to rotate a little bit. You're right, Ten Hag doesn't really like to do that, but Martinez will be available. He'll come back in. I'd imagine Sabitzer will come in to, to freshen up midfield because you're right, Fred, after a dodgy start to the game, I think it was one of United's better performances in the new camp, but he would have used a lot of energy. Maybe Jaden Sancho might be given a rest and Ganacho could come back in as well. The, the big issue they've got because of Anthony Martial's fragility is they haven't really got the option to change it around up front. So about Veghorst, who has to do an awful lot of work out of possession, he's having to play every Especially game. Especially play him in midfield. <laughs> well, listen, he's a very good technical player um, for, for a big man. I said that last week, so... Uh, listen, I'm not going to question what Ten Hag does tactically because I think he's an absolute genius. But th- this is a tough game. A long answer uh, to your short question. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very pessimistic of you, Crook, bearing in mind that you've just gone to Barcelona and gone toe-to-toe with the best team in Spain to start worrying about Leicester City. And really, Scott, let's be honest. We've Arsenal starting to wobble a little bit. You know, Manchester City, not in the finest of Fessel. Should, should Manchester United actually be thinking that the title is still there to play for? Five points off the top at this stage of the season. You can't the give it up with 18 to go. No. Arsenal squad's not big enough. You, you asked me that on, on Monday, Sam. And, you know, look, it's, I think it's amazing what Ten Hag has done and how he's turned things around. And, and I've said for some more time now, I think they do. They will finish third. And who knows? They may finish second. But to get above two teams, one of which we don't really know about because they've not been there in Arsenal. But also Manchester City, you know, they're five points off there. But you're telling me they've got to win five more points than Manchester City from here on in and mm. get a much better goal difference. So really at six, it's not going to happen. Cement yourself in the in the top four, uh, win a trophy, go deep into Europe. And I actually think there will be a bit of fatigue. And if Ten Hag doesn't make a, quite a few changes, Leicester are playing well right now. You know, they've won the last three in all competitions. They've scored four goals in each of their game. I thought they were very good against Spurs. Christensen and, and Barnes down the left is, is is a really good combination. Tete, as Crookies just said, looks like he's a really good addition. I'm t- I, I fancy a draw here. I do. I fancy a score draw. Um, I hope Diego Dallo is back up to speed by the time that Sunday comes around because Aaron Wambasaka had a shocking game in the new camp and gave the ball away far too often, got caught on in possession. He's had a good spell, but they need to make sure that looking after, as you've already mentioned, Christensen and 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 Barnes that someone is over there deployed to help whoever is the right fullback out. Uh, Maguire might be uh, back in the team, bearing in mind that uh, they've got uh, an issue with uh, um, Rafael Varane playing two games in a week. Martinez will come back in after his uh, European suspension, you would have thought. Um, I thought that uh, Jaden Sancho was a bit quiet, actually, during the game at the, the new camp, and then not... Not as crisp or as effective as maybe he needed to be. He had a couple of good chances during that game. Didn't quite take them. Um, and when Antonio, uh, Antonio Alejandro 
Garnacho came on. He looked like he's got a little bit more dyna- dynamism about him. And I think maybe that might be an option on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Spurs against West Ham. Antonio Conte is missing again. He, this is because of medical advice. And we do wish him the best because I saw him on Tuesday night, Milan against Spurs. I did that game. And actually, I've got to be completely honest with you. I thought he looked dreadful. And everyone was saying, oh, we look better tonight than he did on Sunday, which sort of made you think how bad we look on Sunday. Uh, because... Um, uh, he's released a statement saying, sadly, I underestimated the procedure to remove his gallbladder, which wasn't a routine operation. It certainly wasn't. My body has suffered from my impatience and I'm now forced to stop until my entire recovery. Uh, that is the right thing to do. And he has to make sure that he puts his health first. He's had a very difficult year, actually. And I, this has been talked about, I know, but I think it's probably worth remem- remembering that he's lost three friends over the course of the last six months people of a similar age to him. And now he's had a big operation. I think it's taken its toll a little bit. And I do hope that he just has a little bit of time out now and just rests and, and sorts himself out. Because look, we can all sort of be sort of tribal and think about, you know, where we think Spurs are going wrong, what he's doing wrong tactically, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But let's just separate that from the geezer himself and just say, get better soon. Just, just sort yourself out and the football will take care of itself. Um, there was a lot of discussion about who's going to play in midfield because they've got such a, an issue in midfield um, in midweek. They, they, they were without Hoybier and Basuma uh, and Bentancourt. Two of those not going to be back for a long time, but Hoybier free from suspension now. But actually, I thought Papsar played very, very well in the San Siro. He was brilliant. Yeah, he was. Uh, a lot of Tottenham fans weren't happy with that decision when they saw the team sheet, but... Yeah, I think he was um, he was one of their better performers. Benton Kerr is such a big miss, isn't he? If you look at the, the, the players they signed last January, him and Kulusevski made a huge difference to that team. So um, I think it is a problem. Is it a problem against a West Ham side who have forgotten how to win? I, I'm not sure, but obviously you've hold got on, the, hold on. West the rivalry. Hold on, hold on. were at West Ham on Saturday. I thought West Ham were all right. They were, they've started to compete a little bit, Scott, haven't they? I mean, you know, they should they lift themselves for these big games. They could be positive against Tottenham, I think. Sam, let me tell you, when I was a West Ham player, um, Tottenham was the big game. When I was a Chelsea player, Tottenham was a big game. And obviously there's Arsenal, Tottenham. There's something about Tottenham. I don't know what it is, but yeah, we were at Everybody the game. Everybody hates you. Well... Uh, you, you may say that I couldn't possibly comment, but look for the first thirty minutes they were on the back well, foot. I, I didn't really mean it. I don't. I, I don't <laughs> particularly care. No. For the first thirty minutes, West Ham could have been three 0 down, and and the decisions were right to to make it only one of the goals. So first of all, on the back foot, somehow hanging in there. But to come back and get something out of that game, I think they would have gained a lot by that. I really do. Um, I think they look as if. They're getting in. They're getting towards being where they want to be, but they're still a million miles from it. I, I still can't say one hundred percent that they won't go down because I've seen it before. I know exactly what what can happen. But look, I, I think in this particular game, I think Holberg if he comes back is big for Spurs. I really do with the midfield loss that they've got. I think he's a really good player, and Spurs we know what they're like. They they can see goals, especially in the first half. So. I think West Ham need to go at Spurs and just see what can happen. And once you start turning the crowd there, it's a very difficult place for the home side. Yeah, um, uh, Crook was interrupted during your answer there by one of his uh, full kit wearing children. What was it that they came to ask you? I know it's half term. Did they come to ask you whether or not you had the third kit available for them? (laughs) (laughs) They were asking me to turn the shower on, actually. Were they? Okay. What did you say? I've never used it. I don't know. (laughs) 
He, he, he said, okay, but we'll just keep it cold water. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to pay for the boiler. Uh, okay, um, so it's bubbling up nicely in the Premier League and Aston Villa Arsenal starts game day at 12.30. TalkSport exclusive uh, this weekend. Millwall, Sheffield United on TalkSport 2 at the same time. Game day live returns with Adrian Durham at 2.30 on Saturday with Ray and the gang. Um, then Everton Leeds is live on TalkSport 2. What a massive, massive game that is. Sunday, we've got England women against Italy women in the Arnold Clark Cup as England look to back up their victory over the career. Uh, Republic. All the football, all the time, only on Talk Sport. We'll be back on Monday afternoon to review all the weekend's action. Scott, thank you very much. Uh, you better hope that Chelsea beats Southampton, otherwise we're going to be playing that clip over I and know. over and over and over again. Um, Crook, you never know, you could be incredibly positive by the time that we get here on Monday and you'd be showing, you might even turn up wearing a Manchester United kit should they beat Leicester and close that gap uh, a little bit further. I did get one from um, 1996. And you won't I be won able to get photo. in it if it was yours. Because um, <laughs> you, you've got you've got massive, aren't you? You're like six six foot five now, aren't you? You weren't that big. Even when I first met you, I'm sure you weren't as tall as you are. Well, do you know what? My eldest boy is, is uh, you know, trying to, to make his way in the football world. And he keeps being told he's too small. I was tiny until I was about 16. And then all of a sudden shot up. So I'm keep giving him hope that actually look, wow. one day you could be as big as me. They said that about Lionel Messi once, Crookie. I told him that as well. Is he as good as Lionel Messi? Uh, he would probably say he is, but he's listen. Which one is this? Jamie. Uh, he's my godson. Yes, he is. He's definitely as good as uh, <laughs> as Lionel Messi. He'd be a great left back. And he's about <laughs> the same height as Sam as well. So, yeah. <laughs> and probably a better footballer. Right. Okay. That's it from us. We'll see you on Monday afternoon. Uh, remember, all the games are on Talksport, and remember to tell all your friends about the Game Day Podcast. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.